0: Welcome to PodShip Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. This week, my cousin Yair and I endeavoured to hike a 200-mile section along the Continental Divide Trail from Cuba, New Mexico, to the Colorado border. This entire trail system follows the spine of the Continental Divide from Mexico to Canada. And as we hike, to our west, all the water drains to the Pacific Ocean, and to our east, the water eventually gets to the Atlantic. Unlike the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail is largely unmarked, far from even small towns and extremely rugged. During our eight-day adventure, we didn't come across a single other hiker. On the Pacific Crest Trail, there were trail angels that provided water at critically dry locations in the desert. They were much missed on this trail. My goal was to get away from it all, and on this, the Continental Divide Trail certainly delivered. The scenery was stunning, and the animals on the trail acted like they'd never even seen a human. I'm so glad that I had company. My cousin Yair had been a paratrooper in the Israeli army, and he was a fantastic hiking buddy in this hot, demanding terrain. Here's President Johnson in 1965 establishing the National Hiking Trail system that led to the creation of the Continental Divide National Scenic Trail.
1: And When the day seemed particularly harsh and bitter, the
2: land was always there, just as nature had left it—wild, rugged,
1: beautiful, and changing always changing. Well, in recent years, I think America has sadly neglected this part of America's national heritage.
0: Every day we recorded our pod chip diary at the end of the day. Sometimes we'd stop and record when we saw something cool. Okay, here we go. So we're in... Cuba, New Mexico. Del Prado Motel. Yeah, the Del Del Prado Motel. So I'm here with my cousin, Yair. He and I hiked on the PCT for a month together in um, Oregon, and we had a blast, so we're doing it again. Now we're on the Continental Divide Trail. Are you excited to be back out?
1: Oh, I'm very excited. I am indoors most of the time. I run every day, but I am indoors, so yeah, I'm very excited. The desert is, you know, I grew up in the desert, so I feel comfortable here. I love it, and I can't wait to be on the trail. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Israel. I I was actually born, I was born in Sinai, which is the southern tip of the Negev Desert in Israel. We're carrying everything on us so this is unsupported. Everything is on us except water, so eight days of food is pretty heavy.
0: We got a little motel room and we start in the morning. So after a long first day on the Continental Divide Trail, we untangled all the mic wires and recorded this. Literally, we left the town of Cuba, New Mexico, and then it was just like literally up, up, up. When did we do, six so it went from six and a half thousand feet to ten and a half thousand feet. So I got like, I haven't got altitude sickness in a long time. Now we're sitting in a really great campsite. It's been a beautiful day actually. And we just put our tents up next to a, sp- next to a spring. Spring is really beautiful and uh, water is incredible. You don't need to filter it. All the flowers are out lupine, roses, even just around us right now. Um, the little wild rose bush. It's hard to be pretty. F- I, w- I had a hard time focusing my mind because I was just so fucking tired today.
1: Yeah. Like as you cross the ridge, looking to the horizon, it was amazing. So it's great.
0: Day one. Do we do twenty-one or twenty-two miles?
1: Twenty-two miles, I think. That's not
0: bad. Day one. Not bad
1: at all. Do
0: we even know where we're going tomorrow? I
1: have no idea. I know we're doing 25 miles, but I have no idea exactly where. We'll figure it out. Oh, yeah, we crossed some beautiful meadows, and we saw two big deer um, over there. The meadows were amazing, flat, soft, grass.
0: How long have you been thinking about getting out here?
1: I mean, we talked about it when we were on the PCT 18 months ago. When was that? Almost a year and a half ago. The original plan was to go to Nepal, right? So my wife is pregnant. So we decided
0: on the Continental Divide Trail. So the Continental Divide Trail is like the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail.
1: No, this is perfect.
0: So maybe we should get an early start tomorrow if we're going to do 25 miles. Day two was
1: challenging.
0: We got lost and ran out of water. Today was a pretty intense day in the desert, but you seem really at home. You seem to like it. What do you like about the
1: desert? The landscape, the temperature, the dryness. It was so hot today. It was very hot, yes, but it's fine. I preferred that over snow. What about when we ran out of water? We found water eventually. I was sure we were going to find it. So it was hard, yes. The map was so fucking Yeah, the map was completely wrong. And we went the wrong way. And we were looking for water for two hours. And it was like right under our nose. So eventually we found it. I think you were happier than me. I was ecstatic. I was so fucking
0: thirsty. Like I thought I was gonna die. The heat, the altitude, the altitude sickness like really kicked in today for me. Um, So I was just like completely fucking delirious.
1: I'm used to it. I I wouldn't say it was easy. It wasn't easy at all. And where we were climbing, I mean, the beginning of the day in the morning, we climbed what, 2000 feet? Remember the steep part, it was crazy. Most of the day, I was just like surviving,
0: surviving. Yeah, I mean, not really surviving, but (laughs) attempting (laughs) to survive
1: mentally. Right, struggling. Yeah. Uh huh. I've never had altitude sickness. It sucks. Yeah, I've had altitude sickness. I was in South America twenty years ago, and we did a lot of mountain climbing in the Andes, and I've had mountain sickness and altitude sickness, and it's hard psychologically. Like you, I mean, it
0: feels like a sickness.
1: They're saying the only cure is to go down, and we are going down. So
0: yeah not down quick enough but um the water like it added a lot of weight to our packs our packs are heavy
1: but you brought it together with what five pounds of chocolate almonds and i'm fucking throwing these chocolate (laughs) almonds away and you were like why what what are you doing i'll eat them so i ate a few but still you have like three pounds of chocolate (laughs) almonds in your backpack last time we hiked together on the pct before the hike we met at this house, right? And Jared made me take out all my stuff out of my backpack and went through everything and threw out, literally threw out like half of the stuff I had in my backpack. So I was terrified before coming here about weight. And I weighed my backpack like 10 times and got rid of maybe half of my food, didn't bring my flip-flops or anything because I'm like, if I bring something, Jared is gonna throw it away and I need it. Day three in which we got lost again
0: and found the ghost ranch. We got lost twice today. Getting lost is, seems like we're doing a pretty good job at that. The GPS kept saying that we were on the trail. Right. And then by the time we got to the end of the river, it was like
1: 10 feet deep, boiling. Exactly, rapids that there was no way we can cross. So we went back. It took about an hour and a half. We found where we were. And we went back on the trail.
0: But it was like 95 degrees, just blistering heat. It was like... On the
1: road, right? So oh, the ground was so hot, too. And Jared was walking behind me with his sunbrella. Sunbrella. Mm-hmm. i
0: got to say, anyone who ever wants to hike in the desert, if you don't have a sunbrella, which is basically a silver umbrella on the outside, so it reflects all the UV and then black on the inside, it's a fucking lifesaver. Like... I'd be dead. Yair is like, you know, he grew up in the fucking desert. He keeps telling me, me, I grew up in England. But it was hot. And then I was like, I'm just going to sit by the shade of this tree and die. So then we get picked up by this cool guy, David.
1: Who is a pastor, right? I mean, he looked like, to me, like some Navy SEAL or something. Big, bald guy.
0: To me, it was like a sign that I should convert to to Christianity. Because this guy had come from a monastery... He was a pastor, and he picks us up just at our moment of greatest need.
1: But I think it was his sign to convert to Judaism. And Jared kept cranking up the AC in the car. Oh, my
0: God. It was like (laughs) literally being picked up by a pastor and going to heaven. Like the AC was so fucking cold and nice. I just couldn't get enough of it. So our destination, like on the map, was the Ghost Ranch, which is where Georgia O'Keeffe, the artist, lived in you know, for most of her life. Georgia O'Keeffe's paintings of poppies, gymson weed, cow skulls, red hills and bones have come to define the Southwest. She fell in love with New Mexico in 1929 and lived on the ghost ranch until she died in 1986 at the age of 99. O'Keeffe's painting of A White Flower Number 1 recently sold for $44 million. Here's Miss O'Keefe talking about how she dealt with the elements at Ghost Ranch.
2: I've been here in all kinds of weather. I've worked out here in the wind when the wind blew so that if I got off my chair it would blow away. I don't know how I kept my picture on the easel but I've painted out here when it was very windy. On the other side there's a strip of color. You don't see it because it's in shadow now but there's a strip of pink, red and yellow It goes all along, over a very long way that I've put in at the foot of my hill. Didn't it get pretty hot here? Well, it has usually been hot when I've been over here. And sometimes the Indians would be, there's a bunch of trees down there, the Indians would be under the trees. And there wasn't any place for me to be in the shade but under the car. After I'd eaten my lunch, I worked in the car usually, but if you wanted to be out of the sun, you lay under the car, and that isn't a very nice place better than nothing, though. The cliff's over there. You look at it and it's almost painted for you, you think, until you try. I tried to paint what I saw. I thought someone could tell me how to paint a landscape, but I never found that person. (laughs) I had to just settle down and try. I thought someone could tell me how, but I found nobody could. They could tell you how they painted their landscape, but they couldn't tell me to paint mine. Oh, it's a especially fine place to climb around it. Have you climbed over these these Oh, certainly. Wouldn't you? (laughs) Wouldn't you climb if you were here?
0: Leaving Ghost Ranch, our adventure quickly resumed.
1: So, before we knew it, we were climbing some pretty serious, you know, hills or mountains. And at one point, Jared fell and broke his hiking pole, so we've been hiking for twelve and a half hours minus the one and a half hour or one hour, let's say that we were at the random I was just
0: like, "Fuck this why why like <laughs> this is like I have hard enough weeks, so like when yeah where we planned this, I wanted like a nice, cool you know climate wise cool, beautiful stroll hike. This was like the worst part of the PCT, my mouth was like fucking cotton balls.
1: Jared was like, I'm not going anywhere. I think we're just going just to wait for the bus and go to Chama, which is an hour and a half north of us, close to the Colorado border.
0: Because I thought it'd be cool. I mean, it's like 12,000 feet. It would be cool. But the more I looked into it, the more I was like, you know what? If this place is good enough for Georgia O'Keefe, it must be good enough for me.
1: So we kept on hiking. Jared has a tendency of forcing the map. What does forcing the map mean? So forcing the map, when I was in the military in Israel, we had a term of forcing the map. It means like you convince yourself that you are somewhere where you are not. And you're like, I am right over here on the map, but it's not even close to where you are. So we did that a lot today, forcing the map until we're like, okay, let's just follow the trail on the river, and we'll get there.
0: I mean, life generally, I think people force the map. They think they're somewhere, they're not, and they just keep telling themselves, I am here, I am here.
1: And they look for reinforcement. Clues to, like, convince you that you are right and everything you see is a sign. The first rule of orienteering or hike, like, if you just go back to the last place, you know where you were. And we didn't do it today. We just kept going and going and going, believing that we're going to get there.
0: Tomorrow morning will be great. And then like at 11, it'll just be blistering again.
1: again. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking maybe we should plan on starting early and taking a break during the hot hours. You know, taking a two hours break in the middle. sitting. We'll work on getting lost a little bit less. Day four, in which we drink
0: a lot of water not fit for animals. We turn around the corner and we see the water source that's on the map and tell us what it looked like.
1: So we see a little pond, I don't know, maybe 20 feet in diameter, and it's like surrounded by cow poop and mud and like all sorts of stuff inside. And and on top of all of it, there is a dead cow right next to the water. I mean, it's been eaten already, but there's a little bit of stuff on the bones and, and it's just there. I mean, and
0: this I'm, this was like our only. We didn't have a choice, right? We no, had to get the water yeah. because the next one was like four miles.
1: Right. I didn't want to get the water there. I mean, I was like, I, I'm gonna wait and see what Jared is doing. I mean, I, I don't want to get water there. I'd rather walk another four hours without water than than trying this. So.
0: So I so I get the water. I like walk out. There's a little plank, and I walk out onto it. So I come back, and I'm like filtering it, and I'm like, dude, are you not getting water? He's like,
1: I'm like. I don't think so. I don't want to even say what it looks like. And so Jared got water. I tasted it. It tasted okay. And then I got water too. So, and we had water.
0: So we had just enough water to get to the next place, right. which was on the map, which was like
1: seven miles. Right. Which, when we got there, we saw was not much better than the first one. <laughs> so, so, I think, yeah. Well, no, the,
0: this one, the cows are actually drinking from it. Okay. So then... Kept we going, it, keep right? going,
1: keep going, keep going. And what I see on the trail is basically a pond, a puddle. a puddle inside tire marks. So these are tire marks of like a tractor or something that drove here. And inside the tire marks, there is a puddle. And that's the water source. I mean, you can imagine like how many mosquitoes and mud and like some other weird stuff there is. And it's like
0: six inches deep.
1: And I look at Jared and I'm like... The next one is three and a half miles. At 7 p.m., I just sat down and waited, and Jared went on this expedition. Jared walked up about half a mile, and then I hear a shout, good scouting by Jared, and we found a little source of water with, you know, flowing water. So I I figured that he's calling me to get the bottles or the water bags or something. So we had three water experiences
0: today. when you haven't had water all day it just becomes so precious.
1: Right. I mean, I was thinking about, about, about it when we were filling the bottles tonight, like how careful we are with every drop that is going in the bottle as if it's gold. For me, I mean, the biggest lesson is not, not to panic.
0: I mean, I didn't ever feel panicked in the day, but I did feel just so drained, so weak.
1: You know, we work very well together, and it's good, you know, being with a partner that knows what he's doing, and here we are, you know. We...
0: So tell us about how many people you've seen on the trail.
1: Zero so far. We've been on the trail for four days. We haven't seen a single soul. So the funniest thing is Yair met
0: this guy at the Ghost Ranch and Yair asked him, so what's it it like, you know, the, the next 20 mile stretch? And what did he tell you?
1: It's flat, it's cool, and there is lots of water. We have been, we climbed yeah. 4,000 feet since yesterday. Yeah. So that's his, that's his flat. Yeah. We haven't seen any water. That's his plenty of water. And it's been 92 degrees. That's his cool. So thank you for this gentleman that gave us instructions in the ghost ranch. It's been amazing.
0: <laughs> We're sitting right now on this bluff overlooking aspen trees all around us. And the sun's just setting and it's like glistening against the bark. and. The- Yeah, there's irises, wild irises everywhere, birds, amazing sunset, and uh, we just ate, I had Thai curry, what did you have?
1: Lentils and couscous.
0: So we're eating like champions. Day five, in which we finally find clean water. Amazing, right? We're here by a beautiful stream after days of just the worst water ever. Just pools of puddles of crap. We're next to an absolutely stunning little stream.
1: And we're going to refill our bottles with amazing water.
0: What are you doing?
1: I'm putting my water... I just found a nice spot where I can put my water in kind of like an angle that will Um, Fill it up, so I'm putting it in.
0: It looks actually clear enough that we don't need to filter it. What do you think? No,
1: we absolutely don't need to filter These are amazing water, better than any tap water, I would say, anywhere in the United States, probably. Very cold, too. Yeah. Mm. Cold and fresh.
0: Maybe try some before you...
1: Ah, amazing. You want to try? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. good, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: Nothing better than getting water f- from a stream. Oh my god, this is the best.
1: Hiking for me is about unpredict being unpredictable or ha- being in the unpredictable. Um my day-to-day life is very predictable, very organized. Um with, you know, a very simple routine. We live in New Jersey, my wife and I, my wife is my is Jared's cousin, by the way. Um, we live in New Jersey, we have two children. And our day-to-day is very simple. Um, we drop the kids in school, I go out running, I come back, I work from home, I cook, we pick up the kids, and it's pretty much the same thing every day. And to me, hiking is about Having something different every day, not knowing what to expect after the next turn, not knowing where we're going to get water later, so that's what's hiking is to me about the unpredictability. Um, I also run long races, so going into a marathon or going into an ultra marathon is is the same feeling for me you don't know what to expect, even if you ran the same race a few times before, and I think that it took us four days to understand where we are and be better at predicting what we need and be better about knowing where we are so i feel this is maybe you know the first day that we are at our element i feel that today was the first day that we are in sync with with nature we know where we're going we carry enough water we had good, good- conversations, and here we are waiting for our apple cobbler to uh, to be ready <laughs> and' we'll... this is
0: like the most elaborate my daughter Anya, and I make apple cobbler all the time, and it you know you put apples in it, you know you make the pastry it works really great. This thing, which came from like a packet, has taken like forty minutes already to concoct
1: with forty steps it should be ready soon it looks like an apple cobbler that somebody already ate. For me, for some reason, physical effort um, often requires some sort of a food reward at the end. That's, I mean, I don't know why, but even on my long runs or when I race, my motivation many, many times is food. So my motivation for, my motivation for this hike is a huge burrito either in Chama or in Santa Fe, where Jared pro- promised me he will take me to.
0: Day six, in which we get in the groove of being long-distance hikers and armchair psychologists. We're right next to a little babbling brook. It's pretty sweet. So you're saying on the trail um, that someone that doesn't have roots in life becomes kind of, it's a
1: difficult thing to not have roots. What does that mean? Sometimes people that having a hard time finding their identity, know who they are, have you know, roots connected to something in the past, something that grounds them, are, are keep keep trying to get reinforcements from the outside to who they want to be, um, and they can be very aggressive sometimes or angry when they don't get the reinforcements they need.
0: For me, like, I mean, it is a struggle. It's not easy to know who you are. Everyone like assumes you must know who you are, but like. Getting rid of all the societal bullshit, what your parents think you should do, all the neurotic cramp. Like, it's hard. Like, for me, being in nature just strips away all that bullshit, and you're kind of left with who you are. That's why some people, I think, have a really hard time in nature, because it's just so exposing.
1: Uh, Yeah, I agree. I mean, nature is exposing, especially hiking. It is very alone you know you have a lot of time to think and doubt and 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 talk to yourself so yeah so how
0: much time do you think you think about when you're walking the destination versus the journey
1: so uh, i mean i try to be in the journey especially when you know we walk such long distances in in nature But I do have tendency to focus about the destination in life in general and also in hiking, whether it's, you know, the end of the day or the end of the hike when we ended in in Colorado. So um, as much as I try to be in the journey, I find myself sometimes focus on the destination too much, maybe.
0: I mean, you're a marathon runner,
1: so you spend a lot of time preparing for the marathons, running every day. For me, training running is is not very enjoyable at the moment um you know i've been running for so many years hundreds of miles a month it's painful at the moment but the overall experience is what is satisfying to me um to complete a training plan to finish a race um to subscribe for the next race so that that's what's rewarding for me and i find that as soon as i have something on the calendar my, my volume picks up, my intensity picks up, my motivation picks up because there is something on the calendar that says that in three and a half months I have a race. What about you? How do you feel about journey versus destination?
0: Well, on the, on the PCT, the thing that I discovered is that if I, wanted, if I only focused on finishing, I never would. And if I didn't focus on finishing enough, I never finish. So it's that balance between if all I did was think about the moment I wouldn't have the stamina or or the concentration or the drive that you describe by putting something on a calendar. So when I started the PCT, you know, I wrote like a little diary of how much I was thinking about journey versus destination. And really, journey for me is just being present, right? Being in the moment, not thinking about the past or the future, but just thinking like, wow, this is an amazing moment to be alive and it's so hard. It was so hard for me to get there. By the so I started like I think being generous to myself, like five percent present, ninety-five percent distracted, mainly about the future, like destination goals, where I'm gonna camp, where I'm gonna get water, and then by the end I got to like fifty-five percent of the focus was on the moment, and it has to be like for me, the teeniest little sound, the smell. It's not like the big panoramas necessarily. It's like just focusing on where you are at that moment. So I would have thought in nature it's really easy to get back into that. Today was the first day, day six, that I feel like I could even be present.
1: Maybe that's why you got lost. You got lost today, right? How did that feel?
0: I mean, I loved getting lost because there was nothing at stake. I knew I'd find my way back. I was just walking along a river and... I mean, for me, daydreaming, which I do a lot, isn't being present. It's another. It's not present. It's it's not future or past or present. It's kind of like, you you know, like you came up behind me the other day, and I just like jumped.
1: Yeah, I thought you were faking it. I mean, I thought you were like aware that I'm there, and I called your name, and you're like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm right here.
0: You got two young kids, um, real sweethearts, and
1: another one on the way, and
0: another one on the way, but. Um, when Daphna and Avihu wanted to go and get some toys at the local Toys R Us,
1: we are Israeli. We speak Hebrew at home, and sometimes our kids pronounce English words differently. So for them, for years, and we are not correcting them because we think it's very cute. They call Toys R Us Toys R Ass. They, they didn't like the idea that the toy store is closing. So
0: why is it closing? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's the Amazon effect. Yes, everybody, you know, is buying on Amazon and stores are going out of business. I mean, this was one of the triggers for me to decide to buy less on Amazon. I mean, I, I just started talking to my aunt and said, you know, what happens if they close the supermarket? Because everybody's go buying their groceries on Amazon. So, yeah, I'm buying less on Amazon. Day seven,
0: super windy, our last full day, the beginning of the end.
1: Our last day, we our highest point for the hike, right? What was it? 11,000. Yeah, it was 11,000 feet and the wind was just unbelievable and it wouldn't stop. So this was quite an experience.
0: I loved the wind. Even though it was hot, the wind cooled us down and most of the time the wind was like pushing us in the right direction.
1: Like that time I was really cruising, it was like I'm ready. I I stopped to go to the bathroom, and and Jared was just like flying. Usually, I'm I'm I don't have a problem catching up with him, but today, oh, the wind. yeah, the wind was pushing Jared, <laughs> f- filling up his sails and and pushing him forward. So you can hear it right now,
0: actually, right around us.
1: Yeah, campsite. yeah, we're in a campsite in a forest, also high up, probably probably close to eleven thousand, maybe ten five hundred. I'm sad because it's
0: been so fun hanging out with you. And so fun hanging out in nature, and tomorrow I get neither. You had a wildlife experience today.
1: Oh, yeah. So coming out of the woods about three or four hours ago, um, I saw a beautiful coyote, which kind of turned his head and looked at me. Um, I guess it was maybe 100 meters away. And... Made a beautiful jump into a creek and ran down. I've never seen a coyote, so this was my first, and yeah, pretty amazing. It was cool. I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> you seemed irritated or impatient or angry for the past few hours until we got to camp. What happened?
0: I Me, mean, every day, you know, my blood sugar goes down at around five and like I'm a hangry person the minute I get hungry we probably burn 5000 calories a day yeah. right yeah. and we probably consume a maximum of 2000 yeah. and like the first few days I was doing like 1000 calories a day right. so my when my blood sugar even at home like if I haven't eaten fruit or something in the evening I'm a horrible person to be around so you're just finding out who I am yeah. and the wind somehow like when it's in your face and it's just battering you over and over again um yeah it takes a little bit of your stuffing out here like when you know you're not on the path sometimes you think you're on the path but you're not and in life in general like it's really hard to work out if you're on the path the nice thing about hiking in nature is that's the path you're either on it or you're not i kind of love that
1: yeah it makes it in some ways it makes it easy like you know we're walking on a path that's where you need to be you don't need to think about anything else so it makes it it makes it easy um let you think about other stuff because you don't need to worry about where you are unless you get lost and you go back. But, yeah, I agree.
0: But, like, the what we've done better each day is look at kind of where we think we are relative to the path. And so we've been lost a lot less long. You know, there's a learning curve to each hike. And with eight days, like, we had all this weight with our food and we were going to be unsupported for eight days. Now we're at the end we have zero food, pretty light backpacks, we're much stronger, we know what we're doing. I'm like ready to stay out for another two weeks. <laughs> yes,
1: definitely, I, mean, I was just thinking about it, like we feel, I, I I. feel that both of us are 100% comfortable out here, like, you know, this, this is nothing, right, Where we, we eat, we camp, we get up, we go, you know, so absolutely i think you get to it took us i think three or four days to get to a real like comfort level both in where where we are going and how we're managing ourselves outdoors but yeah i mean that's why we're gonna plan the next one i'm gonna miss everything Mm. (laughs) okay that's it for our last night on the trail
0: day eight in which we escape a forest fire and make it to colorado
1: i had a bit of a weird dream last night that we are camping somewhere and we wake up in the morning surrounded by fire.
0: And then this morning, we both woke up pretty early, it was freezing. Been a pretty windy night. And then look out, I'm like, it's kind of smoky. We go out to the lookout point, smoke all around us. here it's like pretty hard to breathe right now
1: yeah we're walking up north towards the colorado border anyway we're so yeah
0: racing because we don't want to get caught in whatever it is
2: right okay
0: i think we'll make it out but it's kind of scary yeah. tell us yeah yeah stop a sec
1: tell us what we see around us All the lots of fallen dead trees lots of dry trees too which is probably not a good sign they look dead actually yeah they are dead a lot of dead dry trees um yeah so we are heading north
0: okay so we managed to make it out of the forest fires managed to make it to chama then take buses and all kinds of transportation through the blazing desert to santa fe we had an amazing time in santa fe and now of course at the end we end up at the airport but poor Yaya's flight is canceled. But you're looking like a cowboy.
1: I do. We went shopping yesterday. I got myself new cowboy boots, a shirt, a pair of jeans. So, the real Santa Fe experience.
0: Tell us about the boots. They look awesome.
1: Oh, they're awesome. Um, yeah, brown boots, real leather. They're Like
0: $1,000 boots you got in a second-hand store.
1: Yeah, I got at a 2nd Everything we got at a second-hand store. So, Jared got a set-through. No boots, though, but boots for Alex, which is good enough.
0: Red boots for Alex for our wedding anniversary. It's been a really awesome time, Yair. Thank you so much for making it happen.
1: Thank you, Jared. It's been amazing. It was unbelievable. Definitely an experience, and we'll do it again. Thank you to
0: Yair for putting up with me and for Alex for giving me the space to go hiking for so long. Also, a big thank you to all the volunteers that maintain the Continental Divide Trail and who are starting to put up signs. I was amazed at the number of emotions and the speed with which they came and went on the trail. One minute, I felt like I couldn't go on. The next, I was ready to hike another five miles. By day six, I felt like I'd become fully reacquainted with an old friend, Nature. She isn't always the easiest friend to get to know. She can be extremely demanding. But through our days together, I became much more grounded and present. I really missed the trail a great deal. The nice part of section hiking the trail is that there's still another... 2,800 miles left to complete. What I took away from this week's episode is how valuable nature can be in helping hit the reset button. I came back feeling so much lighter, both physically and emotionally. Next week, we examine how your zip code has a bigger impact on determining the health of your life and how long you will live than your genetic code. If you have time, please review the show on Apple's Podship Earth page. Thank you so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey from the entire Podship Earth crew. Sound engineer Rob Spate, producer Nancy Ferranti, executive producer David Kahn, and from me, Jared Blumenfeld, happy trails.